So if you go all the way back in history to the Garden of Eden where God created man, placed him in the garden, the Bible says that God walked with Adam and Eve, most specifically in the cool of the day. Just a beautiful picture. And then throughout the Old Testament, you see God walking with men. He was with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He was with Isaac in Genesis uh, chapter 26. He was with Jacob. He was with Joseph. Four times it said he was with Joseph. God was with Moses in front of Pharaoh. He was promised, he promised Joshua to be with him as he was with Moses. He told Gideon, I will be with you, be not afraid. And then in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he spent 30 plus years here on earth, the last three with a group of men that became his friends and disciples, and he was with them and knew them. And then he turns the world upside down. In John chapter 13, we don't, I didn't put it up on the screen, but he said this. He said, he said I'm not going to be with you any longer. There's going to come a time when I'm not with you any longer. And it, wait, what? How, where are you going? And then he says in the next chapter, John chapter 14, he said, he said I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send somebody to be with you. I'm going to send a comforter. To you, And then he said, even the spirit of truth. And then he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will be with you. And there is this goodness about God who wants to be intimately involved in our lives. From the time he created man, he was with man, walked with man in the garden. He was with all of these men in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, walked among us physically here on earth, gave his life for us. And then as we learned last week in many, many scriptures in the New Testament, in Paul's writings, and even here in the book of John, recording the words of Christ, that there is a different level now for the believer to be with and to spend time with and to fellowship with God. If you have your Bibles, we're in the book of Colossians. Or if you have your phone app or whatever, if you didn't happen to bring your Bible, we have, some, we have the words up on the screen here. But in the front half of this chapter, Colossians is a book written by the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary to the Gentiles. And he's introducing this person of Jesus. And before we get to verses 25, 26, and 27, he introduced Jesus Christ in the previous verses as the creator of all things, as the sustainer of all things, as the head of the church, as the image of God, as the savior of the world. That's a pretty big introduction of Jesus Christ. And then he says this in verse 25, through 20, 27, wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations. The mystery, it's been hidden for generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. 
to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Think about this. The God that walked in the garden, the God that was with all of the characters in the Old Testament, the God that walked among people here on earth, the great mystery is not only that Christ died, but that Christ wants to live in you. More particularly, he says here, of the Gentiles. That's what was a mind-blowing thing. That this mystery is that Christ is in you, the impact that Christ had while he was here on this earth. During his ministry, during his life, is what all of history surrounds itself with. And that same Jesus lives inside the believer. And we have the capacity, the Bible says, to do greater works than what was done while he was here. He doesn't just know about you, which, which would be incredible. right? We think of famous people. And you hear someone say, oh, I, I saw Air Force One go overhead. How exciting was that? Just seeing that, my wife and I were driving up Mount Weather, and we saw Air Force One go over kind of low and slow, and I thought it was the coolest thing, just to see Air Force One. That's not that big a deal compared to the God who knows who you are. Not only does he know about you, he makes himself accessible to you. I want you to come to me. I want to spend time with you. And then, and then not only does he make himself accessible to you, he, he allows himself to live in us, to do life with us. I have a few thoughts that I wanted to share. These are just, I got like three big thoughts and then three of these and three of those. That's how my brain works. I always have to have three of something, right? But here's the first big thought. It's, it's, it's that authentic spiritual transformation happens from the inside out. And that is made possible because of the Christ who lives in you. So, so trying to become Christ-like from the outside in is backwards. The idea is to allow Christ to, to, to affect spiritual transformation from the inside out. There's a gentleman, a theologian named Ian Thomas, and there's this quote that I have. It's, it's, it compares the way that we try to live out the Christian life as believers in Jesus with Christ in us as those who practice idolatry. Let me, let me read this to you. Beware, unless even as a Christian you fall into Satan's trap. You may, be, you may have found and come to know God and the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving him sincerely as your Redeemer. Yet, if you do not enter into the mystery of godliness and allow God to be in you, you will seek to be godly by submitting yourself to external rules and regulations and by conforming to behavior patterns imposed upon you by the particular Christian society that you have chosen and in which you hope to be found acceptable. You will in this way perpetuate the pagan habit of practicing religion 
in the energy of the flesh and in the very pursuit of righteousness commit idolatry in honoring Christianity more than Christ. Just chew on that for a little while. How important is it to us to look like everybody else and walk lockstep in what everybody else is doing? And how important is, how motivated are we in our Christian walk to not be discovered to be a fake? Rather than allowing inward transformation to take place because of the incredible relationship we get to have with this incredible God who lives inside of us. Here's another big statement. Jesus has no desire to improve you. He desires to transform you. So here's what so many of us are happy with. Here's the life that I lived before I came to know Christ. If you can just make that like 5% better, I'd be good with that. God has so much more for you than that. It's not about just making your life a little bit better. And then you get to go to heaven. The idea is to transform the life that you have here on earth. And live in what that is supposed to feel like right now. We have this idea that Christianity is this nice thing that we're a part of. But it's not something that we live And here's the thing, so when hard times do come or when our world does collapse, we don't know what to do with that because we didn't think that was supposed to happen to people who are trying to do the right thing. And we don't exercise those spiritual muscles because because we have no depth of relationship with Jesus Christ. Another great theologian named Phillips Brooks said this, And you have to kind of watch for his word picture here. Religion is not a simple fire escape that you build in anticipation of possible danger. Upon the outside of your dwelling and leave there until danger comes. All right, so you have this fire escape outside your window in case of fire. But you never maintain it, you never practice on it, you never use it. So this belief system that you say that you believe in, this Christ that you say you have a relationship with, you never use it. You never lean on it. You never communicate. You never make it a part of your daily life. So when it comes time to actually use that fire escape, when it comes time to actually use that relationship and that religious system, here's what he says. You go to it some morning when a fire breaks out in your house and the poor old thing that you built up there and thought that you would use one day is so rusty and broken and the weather has so beaten upon it and the sun so turned its hinges that it will not work. That is the condition of a man who has built himself what seems a creed of faith a trust in God in anticipation of the day when danger is to overtake him and has said to himself, I am safe, for I will take refuge in it then. But religion is the house in which we live. It is the table at which we sit. 
It is the fireside at which we draw near, the room that arches its graceful and familiar presence over us. It is the bed on which we lie and think of the past and anticipate the future and gather our refreshment. So here's the difference that he's saying. Your relationship with Christ is not supposed to be something that's just set aside for a day when you think you might need it. Your relationship with Christ is something you're supposed to eat at every day and walk through its doors and sit at its table and rest in its bed and enjoy the comfort of and be refreshed by. It's not the fire escape sitting outside that you never mess with. Your relationship with Christ is not supposed to be something that you only lean on and go to in a time of trouble. It's something that you use throughout the day. Every day you become comfortable in that relationship and sometimes uncomfortable in that relationship. Third big thought is this. Christianity is nothing less than the outliving of Christ in us. So it's like you have Christ living in you, and rather than suppressing him and that relationship and that voice that you hear, it is your obedience to it. It is the outliving of Christ in you. So what happens when the Christ in you begins to affect your life? Let me just give you a few things here. First of all, with Christ in you, it affects the way you live. It just affects the way you do life. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Paul didn't say, I live in a Christ-like way, although I think that's good. Paul didn't say, I behave like Christ, although I think that's good. I mean, I I think it's good that we imitate him. I glorify Christ in my behavior. That's not what he's saying. He said, Christ lives in me. It's like he's the one doing the talking. It's like he's the one that's doing the helping. I have this relationship where I allow him full reign in my body and my soul and my spirit, and I want him working through me and in me and for his glory. The Christian life is not a matter of just behaving correctly, but of allowing Christ to live in and through us. I love the phrase, As trite as it may seem, but I love the phrase, what would Jesus do? What would he do in this relationship, in this given situation, at this moment? (laughs) You know what's awesome? Is you can ask him. He lives in you. He lives in you. You can communicate with him. You don't have to guess what it looks like, Jesus standing next to you in a robe and sandals, what, how he would handle this situation. No, you, you have him inside. Ask him. What would Jesus do in this relationship? How would Jesus... Tri- okay, let me make that more direct. Jesus, how do you want to handle this situation? These are your hands. 
Your feet, your mouth, you tell me. Christ live in me. This is different level stuff, people. This is, this is not a trite little phrase. This is Christ living in me. Many of us are trying to live the Christian life without Christ. So it ought to affect the way you live. It ought to affect the way you love. You should love differently. I don't know what your relationships were like prior to knowing Christ, and I don't know what you lean on and how you treat people. I've had numerous conversations with people who struggle with with intimacy with other people because of the relationship that they had with their parents. Well, my dad was this way or my mom was this way. I get that. But, But knowing Christ and having Christ inside should affect the way that you love people. A few verses here, John chapter 13, verse 34. This is right after Jesus told his disciples that I'm not going to be with you any longer. That was verse 33. This is verse 34. He says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 right almost towards the end of the New Testament. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. In the same way, how can I be Jesus in this situation? How can I show the love that he would show? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. How can I show the love that I have experienced from Jesus Christ by Christ living inside of me? It ought to affect the way you live. It ought to affect the way that you love. And it ought to affect how other people see you, right? It affects how we are seen by others. I never thought I looked like my dad until you go where my dad works or whatever, and he's like, you know, he's an inch shorter than I am. I thought everybody would recognize that. But I'd go somewhere where they know my dad, like if I was going to go see him at work or something like that, and they would look at me and say, you've got to be John's boy. You have got to be John's boy. I think his ears stick out further than mine. And he's significantly older. But it always kind of took me aback. Like, I didn't really think I looked that much like him. But then when I look at pictures of my dad, I'm like, yeah, okay. I can see it. And there's these similarities. Wouldn't it be awesome if somebody said that about us and our Heavenly Father? Man, you've got to be a child of God. I love that because of the way that you act. But what we hear too often is, oh, you must be a Christian. You see the difference? Oh, you must be, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, you go to that church. Yeah, that explains a lot. God forbid. God forbid 
one of my friends at work, um, not this work, different work, one of my friends at work watched some series on Netflix about the church. And he said, all I can say is, wow, I don't think I'll ever go to church again in my life. And I don't want that to be me. And here's the thing. Personally, I have a good relationship with him. And we have great conversations. But I don't want people to look at me and say, oh, you must go to church somewhere. I want people to say, you must be a believer. You must know Jesus. And there's a big difference. That's what I want people to see when they see me and the way that I act and the way that I treat people. John 13, 35, the very next verse. Christ says this, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another. That's the example that we can bring. So it ought to affect the way you live, ought to affect the way you love, ought to affect the way that other people see you. That Christ in us should affect everything we do. So I'm, I'm, I'm a practical guy, so I always think, okay, so what do we do with this? How, okay, this is really interesting stuff. And it, was, it really challenged me this week. So how do I... How do I do relationship with Jesus? How do I, how, how is it that I allow the Christ that's in me to have a bigger impact on the life that I live? How do I do Christ in me? How do I do relationship with him? So my first thought was, well, how did Jesus do it? How did Jesus do relationship with his father? Because that's the closest thing that I can come to in how I'm supposed to do relationship with Jesus. So here's a couple things that Jesus did very quickly here. The first thing is Jesus spent time alone with his father. He, he, he spent time alone. He prioritized it. He was plenty busy. Come on. He had people hanging on him everywhere. He spent time alone with his father, I love, I love this phrase, he stepped away. He stepped away for just a little while. He spent time alone with his father. There was times when it was just Jesus and his dad. No friends around, no disciples around, just focusing on his father. There were times when it was nobody else but Jesus and God. So my challenge to you, my challenge to myself, is where is that in your life? Where is it where it's you stepped away on purpose, where it's just you and Jesus, and you're developing that relationship? There has to be times when it's just you and him. He spent time alone with his father. Second of all, he knew his dad. Like, because of this time he spent with God, he knew his father's heart. He knew the desires that God had. He saw 
things through the eyes of his father. And he understood his father's heart. Now, I don't want to like fry your brain here or anything. But the doctrine of the Trinity, where you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, they're all one. It's the same person. It's all God. Yeah, I don't get it either. Right? It's like there's, there are so many things about this doctrine of, of, of the Trinity that, that you start seeing like sparks and smoke come out because, because God doesn't always fit in my box. My little box that God, I'm supposed to be able to explain everything about God. He doesn't fit in that. He doesn't even come close. And so there's so much about him that I don't understand. And so you have God the Son, that's Jesus, communing with God the Father, right? And then he promised to send the Holy Spirit to help us, but then he says that I will be in you. All right, that's God's stuff. That's not Eric's stuff. That's, that's God's stuff. But he knew his dad, and there was something when Christ was living here on earth that he gave up. He, he gave up a lot of who he was when he came here because he got tired. He was in a physical body. He was limited by time and space. And here you have the Son of God, God himself, think about this, stepping away to spend time with God as Father. But he was God. Well, it was just so he could be an example to us. I don't believe that. I believe that when he was in the garden and he was asking God to remove this cup from him, He was asking if there's any other way for this to happen. They were having a conversation. I believe that it was important enough for Christ to step away and get to know his father and spend time with him. And then lastly here, I think he did his father's will. There's a couple places where you see this in the New Testament. You see the first time where where he... (laughs) where they went to the temple and they lost Jesus. You know, Mary and Joseph, they lost Jesus, and they come back and find him, and they start to get on to him. And he said, didn't you know I was supposed to be about my father's business? That's why I'm here, is to do the will of my father. And then as I just mentioned in the garden where he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He did the will of the father. So the example of Christ here. How do you do relationship with Jesus? How do you commune with the Christ that's inside of you? You spend time alone with him. You get to know him. You just learn how he wants to react in situations, and you learn his heart, and then you do his will. You do what you are prompted to do. That's a lot more than coming to church on Sunday, isn't it? That's a lot more than dropping a $5 tip in the plate. This is fully invested. This is what it looks like to be a Christ follower, not just what we term Christian. I think that 
we would be less anxious to learn doctrine if we were more busy putting into practice what we already know. I think that we would be a lot less interested in gaining new information if we were first required to put into practice the information we've already been given. Because here's the truth. We already know so much more than we do. So let me just encourage you, and I'm all for learning more and, 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 and getting deeper into Scripture and all of that kind of stuff, but can I encourage you to work on this relationship with Jesus Christ and this Christ that's in you and begin to actually do a lot of what you already know and start in the closest circles around you. Start with the relationships that are closest to you. And I, and I, don't, I don't want this to sound sacrilegious or whatever, but what kind of a husband would Jesus have been? Like, how would he have expressed his concern and care and love for his wife? By flipping the channels while she does the dishes, right? Where did that come from? Yeah, that's... that's, (laughs) Whew! Man, that hurt me. It's like, what kind of a... What kind of a, a child should we be to our parent? What kind of a parent should we be to our child? I mean, if, honestly, if you could work on that, let's focus on what we already know, right? If we could just focus on allowing Christ to live in us as a dad, as a, as a wife, as a, in our familial relationships, if we could just focus on being Christ in our home first, that would give you enough to work on for the next 20 years. Instead of what color toilet paper do we have in the auditorium around here? Or how can we have this? Or I have no idea why we have toilet paper in the auditorium. Yeah, just, I know your brain was like, way, way, what, what? I don't know either. But like we worry about things that are like so inconsequential. You know, I don't think they should, they should have played rap-like music to celebrate Father's Day. And I don't hear that from anybody. All right? I'm just saying, we worry about stuff because we have to have something to worry about. It's like we, we, we got to make a comment about something to act like an expert or to have an opinion. How about we just work on what we already know we're supposed to be doing in the most intimate relationships that we already have? People, please. Christ in you starts at home. And then works out from there. What kind of employee are you? What kind of boss are you? How do you interact with cashiers or a waitress or whatever? We have enough to work on for a while. And let's spend time with Jesus Christ. Let's step away, get to know his heart, and do his will in the relationships that are closest around us. Christ in you. Let's walk worthy of the Christ that's in us. Let's pray. Father, we are so incredibly grateful 
that you indwell the believer, that you want this relationship with us, that you don't just want to make us better, you want to transform us. And Father, I pray that you would just help us to begin to live out what this life could look like and that we would be becoming what you see in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.